Arrow the Consortium. It's the best sci-fi game ever, man. We totally just paid Steven to say that. Not that it's not true. Check out the Kickstarter for the new tabletop RPG at, at uh, tinyurl.com slash sovkick. That's tinyurl.com slash sovkick. We're happy to have Arrow the Consortium as one of our sponsors for this episode. They've already reached their goal, but they've got a lot of stretch goals uh, coming up that you can check out and help them along their way. This episode is brought to you in part by our Major Spoilers VIP members around the world. Thank you for your support of Major Spoilers and the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you'd like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com and sign up today. Thank you in advance. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, four more till the big 6-0-0, we couldn't be more excited. Firestorm's on TV, Daredevil's on the Netflix, Civil War's headed for theaters, and a Baron's driving! How can this be? We're bringing the Hallow's Eve with fearsome reviews, scary vidgy games, and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. plus an interview that may explain what's going on in Hollywood. We're ready to do that voodoo that we do to varying degrees of expertise. Four men will enter, three men will leave, because it'll be after Zach's bedtime. And the Major Spoilers podcast will be on the air. Welcome to issue 595 of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. I think we're going to have a, a pretty interesting show. Uh, later on, I'm talking with... Uh, Someone who's been working in the industry for over 20 plus years, worked for Saturday Night Live, has done a lot of reality television programming, worked internationally. And uh, I'm going to ask him the question, why is Hollywood stupid? That's coming up <laughs> later in the show. But stupid or smart, Marvel planning Civil War movie adaptation. So the story was that Robert Downey Jr. went out to a Vanity Fair, said there's no plans for an Iron Man 4, but he still had two <laughs> movies left in his contract. He did a lot of... Back and forth on a lot of different places. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're, we're still not seeing an Iron Man 4, but what has been revealed by Variety is that Robert Downey Jr. and his uh, people have negotiated a much stronger role for him in Captain America 3. And on top of that, Captain America 3 may be Civil War. Mm. Mm -hmm. And there are a couple of things that kind of support this. A couple of weird things. Well, first of all, the last couple of days, Marvel has been releasing through their Twitter feed and through their um, press releases uh, these pictures of like Secret Wars is coming back in 2015. Uh, that's a whole big right. toy toy deal. They've got uh, Age of Ultron meets uh, Marvel Zombies coming up in 2015. And then the one they sent out yesterday, which had people scratching their head, is Civil War 2015. And the picture that they have is a picture from the original Civil War series. Mm -hmm. And people are like, well, you're just going to rehash Civil War, which wouldn't surprise me. But then uh, this news about Robert Downey Jr., and what's going on in the Captain America 3 movie. And Ooh. it maybe start to make a little bit more sense, especially if you start believing the rumors that Sony and Marvel Studios have been talking about sharing Spider-Man, which is one of the key characters in the Civil War movie. Sure. What do you think of this? Um, Anybody? Matthew? I think that if Civil War is done as a finite story with a solid ending in a movie... It could be good. Oh, well, here's the, that's, here's the interesting thing, Matthew. You say a movie. Um, well, according to what Variety is saying, uh, Kevin Feige is wanting mm -hmm. to spin this out into several movies, mm -hmm. maybe as few as three, maybe as many as seven movies between now and 2019. 
I, I I really wish that. Sometimes I do wish this was an audio podcast so you could see like the way that Zach's head just reeled when you said seven. <laughs> well, remember oh, just a few weeks yeah. ago we were talking about having a mega story mm, tied in yeah. through through movies. And we know that Civil War was a mega event. I don't mm-hmm. know if they could do three movies. I could see, especially if this Spider-Man story comes down um, uh, with the sharing of it, you could have a Marvel movie that is Captain America 3, the start mm-hmm. of the Civil War, and the right. death of Captain America. Uh, at well, the they do it at. Uh, then you've got a Spider-Man movie, which Sony could do, that still ties into Civil War, and then wrap it up with Avengers 4. Mm. And wrap up your whole Marvel uh, Civil War there. My I fear is that they're going to try to tie that, if it is at that event, that they're going to try to tie it into every single Marvel movie that they have going on. Or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I, I don't want to see multiple movies because I'm tired of trilogies for trilogy's sake. But mm. the thing about Civil War that really worked was that it took the characters and forced them to make a stand. An out-of-character inappropriate stand in most cases – and they tried to, you know, they tried to set it up to where both sides were equal. But I think that what it really come, came down to was that the number of writers involved really skewed things towards one side. And they skewed it to where Captain America was clearly the hero and Iron Man was clearly the, you know, the douche. And when Iron Man won, it felt like the fascist won and took over. And I think that in a movie where you have, you know, a writing staff that's got to be closer to the same page than 34 different comics, I think it could be more successful. And there are a lot of really good adult concepts in Civil War that would play well and play differently in the Marvel movie universe. I think, I mean, I think having a single writer and and especially if they try to put it all in a single movie because uh, Iron Man and Captain America have already been introduced. Right. Um, you know, if you go back and think about all the stuff that was actually in the Winter Soldier comic, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. is like, that wasn't in the movie, thank God, because it made no, it would make yeah, yeah. no sense. Yeah. Like, <laughs> then that would be fine. Um, it's a lot harder to do Civil War without a bunch of superheroes, right. but they do introduce right. new Avengers every, like they do introduce new people every movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. So by the time this rolls around, I could see it, especially because, you know, at, at any point you can just have a big boom. And, you know, there are always rumors around that the inhuman thing yes. might be happening. Yes. So if a bunch of inhumans show up, that's, that's who you can regulate. Yeah, and that's, and I think that would make mm-hmm. perfect sense for that. This is all happening in 2016. Mm -hmm. Captain America 3 arrives 2016. The Civil War thing uh, coming out of Marvel is 2015. The thing that still makes me think that they're going to work this deal out with Spider-Man is if you go to the wiki page for Civil War, the cover image that they show is Iron Man and Captain America fighting one another. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Which would have been perfect if you're talking about, hey, Captain Captain America 3 is going to be the Civil War. Here's Tony Stark and and, uh, Steve Rogers fighting it out. But- they sent out an image that has Iron Man and Captain America pulling on Spider-Man. Yeah, Betty and Veronica yeah. over Spider-Man. <laughs> I just yeah. think that's so weird. Yeah, I would, if if really, if you're going to split it up, I think uh, leave Spider, the most it should be is two movies, but we're not going to get that because it, it, it should just be set it up in Captain America 3, which is 2016. Yeah. And then it should, they should set it up 
as Captain America versus Iron Man in that movie, like build up the actual tension of the mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. and then yeah. just get all the fighting out of the way in Avengers movies, which is essentially what Avengers one was. And probably right. Avengers two is just all the characters just fight everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the timelines that we're working on with movies now is age of Ultron will come out in 2015 next right. summer. And then right. you have Captain America in 2016. So then you mm-hmm. have to wait like two or two, three years to Maybe. get another Avengers movie. Well, but that would be then, that, that it, would be the end. Of right, your, that would be there's the end. movies in right. between. That's what right? I'm saying. Is that's what you can't just do it, Captain America, Avengers, right. and then just end it. You're gonna have to go through all the rest of the movies, which I think has been yeah. a prop, which is a problem for me because the rest of the movies that have been out so far have had very small ties into the rest of the big yes. thing. Right. And, and that's what made if them you, successful. Uh, yeah, absolutely, it's what made them great. But if you start interworking all of them in major plot points, yeah, I don't know. We know that well, uh, the Tony Stark character is supposed to appear in Ant Man. Right. Uh, that's been confirmed. And we know that the Captain America three, my concern is just like yours is that they're going to try to interweave a civil war story yeah. between guardians of the galaxy two, which doesn't make any no, sense. No. And with the fact that we've been anticipating the infinity gauntlet storyline right. for such a long time, <laughs> right. I'm hoping that we end up with two different storylines. You've got your space operas with your Thors, your guardians of the galaxies, yeah. mm-hmm. your inhumans. If you want to include the inhumans in that uh, part of it. And then you've got your, realistic superheroes your captain americas and your your iron mans mm-hmm. uh fighting it out on on earth and if they kept it as two separate lines kind of weaving through two or three movies yeah. i'd be okay with that but we've seen with the hobbit we've seen with lord of the rings we've seen with star wars that they can't just stop with one no. and you know i've heard rumors that um uh, avengers 3 might be split into two movies God. here's the thing that is the worst trend right now i think it is too here's the thing um, here's how this could actually work and would work exactly like it did in the comics. Well, maybe not exactly, but um, if at the end of Avengers uh, two, okay, two, um, okay. they're like, like Thor takes Hulk into outer space, right, and then they do the Guardians of the Galaxy Thor. Uh, featuring Hulk on drums over there. That means that they can do the Civil War storyline and end it pretty much the same way it yeah. ended in the comics yeah. by dropping the Hulk in the middle of it mm-hmm. and then doing World War Hulk and everybody is like, what registration act? Right. This is a that new event. Be, right, right. And do I have my Downey timeline Jr. right on that because I'm pretty, <laughs> pretty sure much. that's how pretty I'm much. pretty sure that's how Civil War ended. That is pretty close to how it came down. The thing that's interesting though is if if we end Captain America 3 with Robert Downey Jr. taking over shield or hammer or whatever it's called at the time it it opens up whole new vistas and it ties into the television series it ties Mm -hmm. into say you know you have robert downey jr as the head of shield then instead of phil colson showing up for a cameo in your thor movie you throw in tony stark in your on your ant-man too which you know there's going to be an ant-man too there is it's cool so then you have him show up and then you touch on this and then ant-man at the end of Ant-Man, he has his little ant fight with whoever he fights, let's say Egghead. And at the end of the movie, Tony Stark shows up and says, hey, hey, we got a problem. And that ties into your next movie to where you you have your individual movies, but they still kind of arc into whatever civil war you want to do. I think if Marvel goes and tries to weave civil war through seven movies, seven movies, seven movies. They will have flown too close to the sun, and they will right. kill the Marvel universe because they will do what right. they do with comic 
comic events and spread it yeah, too far. Well, and you'll make people go to so many movies to get yes. the full story. Yes, which would like The Hobbit, one book, three movies over three years, which is already nuts. Right. If you start doing It'd be two five movies, years two movies, of two movies a year for, four years, for, for, for four years. one story, yeah, that's here's, nuts. Here's the thing. Um, I don't think we're going to get around that. And the problem is that people don't like to be forced to have an event spill into the movie or story that they want. Yeah. But Marvel seems to be that is their it's, modus operandi. It's it's amazing. And we've we've talked about this before, how um, Marvel is uh, within like within 10 years is going to recreate the story of Marvel Comics yeah. over the past <laughs> 30 years. Yes. Um, leading to its crappy ass kind of like, you know, twilight years mm -hmm. before something like revitalized it, like the movie yeah, studio. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like, it's like, okay, so what do Marvel movies have going for them? They've got these fresh new takes. We're getting like new voices. We're getting, we're giving shots at superhero movies from these people that you'd never think. John Favreau, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Shakespeare guy, like they're getting <laughs> movies. Cool. And then it's like, well, now everything needs to be woven together into the continuity. Up, all of us are out. Yeah. All right. Wild speculation off. First look at Daredevil on. Yeah. What do you think there, Zach? I think it's interesting. Um, it seemed positive from what we heard from people that actually got to see footage at New York Comic Con. Mm -hmm. um, and definitely from like the people have commented on the costume uniform, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. The Daredevil costume. Things. It's black. Yeah. 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 It's not red. And it seems. It doesn't have horns. It seemed that people said like, that's going to be like super early. Like it hasn't really been developed yet. Well, that is the, uh, that's the costume that he wore in, um, Frank Miller. Trial said, of the Incredible Hulk. Daredevil <laughs> series. <laughs> yes. No, it's not. Yeah. Go look, go look no. up black Daredevil costume. You'll see it. Rex Smith wore it in Trial of the Incredible Hulk in 1991. Yeah, and they did it in the comics too, Frank Miller. Uh, I looked at the picture today. Um, do you like that? Do you like the black costume or is it, uh, were you hoping for something red leather, Rodrigo? Nah, I think it, I think that looks fine. Um, but I, I think that we are going to end up with some sort of actual costume eventually. Mm -hmm. I, oh, yeah, I would yeah. be willing to bet this is Spider-Man in a hoodie. You know, it's, it's basically yeah, it kind of looks that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's and if you look at the comic book page that uh, Marvel references, he's basically in a black jogging suit yeah. with a scarf wrapped around his head. Well, yeah. And that's, I mean, that is in the, in the comic, yeah. how it went It's just like, he's out fighting people before he really gets to the daredevil mm -hmm. part mm -hmm. of his life. And, and I really hope that, uh, like, I'm really interested in that and what, Marvel does with the whole Netflix thing because mm. they've already done television with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But what they can do on Netflix as opposed to ABC is going to be really interesting and in how yeah. far they push it. Yeah. Firestorm coming to Flash. What does everybody think about this? Uh, it's announced this week that uh, they've hired uh, Victor, what's his name? Freeze. Um, no. Stone. <laughs> no. Uh, alias is Jennifer Gar Garner's father from Alias. Victor uh, Garber. Ronnie Raymond. Yes. Well, he's Victor not playing Garber. Ronnie Raymond. He's playing uh, Dr. Oh. Martin Stein oh, in, yeah. in a <gasps> series now the other thing Victor that's really Garber cool Stein, I mean, yes and I'm here's so... here's the crazy thing about it if you listen closely to the very first episode of the flash um the female scientist from star labs who ladies and gentlemen later turns into killer frost spoiler <sighs> um she mentions her boyfriend ronnie raymond disappeared during the incident oh we already yes. know that brandon routh is coming in as the atom we know that they're starting to toss mm -hmm. in some other uh, characters from the DC universe into the Green Lantern or Green Arrow and Flash series. 
So uh, Firestorm sounds like it's just around the corner. Mm, could be interesting. Yep. Listeners, you can uh, head over to Majorspoilers.com for these and other stories. And while yep. you're over there, if you're going to make some uh, purchase from uh, from Amazon, then you can click on that Amazon banner and everything that you purchase, a little bit comes back our way. They don't increase the price just because we're an affiliate, but it does help us out and allows us to produce uh, fine shows like this week after week after week. Let's get to some reviews. Reviews! <laughs> what, what, Rodrigo, what is Terra Battle for iPad? Uh, Terra Battle for iPad is a video style game uh, in which you uh, f- fight monsters in an epic fantasy adventure. Oh, so Final Fantasy. Uh, actually, I'm, I think it, it does have a Final Fantasy pedigree. I think some of the people that have worked on Final Fantasy worked on oh, well. this. Um, nice. But um, it's I, I picked it up because it's free, and it's actually, it came out very recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I started playing it, and I was really surprised on how engaging it was. Uh, basically, the way that it works is you get a grid, and you have six characters, um, and a mm-hmm. bunch of monsters get dropped on the grid, and you fight monsters by, if you're familiar with Dungeons & Dragons terminology, by flanking them. Mm. So if you get two a character on either side of a monster, then your two characters attack them, deal damage to it, or whatever. And then... Besides that, if your characters have a straight line of sight that is not interrupted by enemies to any of your other characters, they get a bonus. Mm, cool. So basically, um, you know, you've got like, oh, this guy's a warrior and this guy's an archer and they've got superpowers. But it's actually a, like a weird little puzzle game where um, what you're doing is you're just moving pieces. And then if right, you can right. surround a piece, you yeah. uh, damage it. So it almost sounds like part Tetris, part Go. It yeah, it's it's kind of like uh like go if the pieces had powers. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> interesting. I was trying to look so a little Titans bit up go? earlier today because I was like, "What is there's not much there's not much information on it? Really, is it? It's pretty and much even their brand website. New. Even their website doesn't tell you what the game is about. Yeah, this is like this is so weird because the game is actually really polished. Like mm-hmm. the art is really spectacular. Um, a lot of stuff about it is really cool. The storyline is kind of weak, but in games like this, that's not terribly surprising. Um, uh, there's, but there's a lot of complexity to the game. You like, you have characters and you can, um, get each character can have multiple classes going at once. And also you start getting more and more characters and you can only have six in your party. So you can swap characters in and out, um, depending on what you Uh, think a battle is going to require or whatever like there is a lot there's a lot to this game a lot of little moving parts to it Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of fun like it's a surprising amount of fun Mm -hmm. um usually uh i want an ios game is that what they're they're calling it these days okay to be something that i can play and every once in a while look up to watch uh so i can uh, figure out what's happening on New Girl. <laughs> but this game, I actually found myself completely not on purpose, just playing it, just yeah. actually playing it yeah. and not doing anything else. Because like Hulu ends, like the show ends, yeah. and I didn't get up to pick the next thing to watch. I just sat there and played the game. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it does have uh, an energy system. If you're familiar with a game like, uh, I think, stuff like Farmville and stuff where you only get a certain uh, number of 
basically things that you can do, things that you can initiate for your energy. But if you're just playing the main storyline, um, you can easily play four or five games, all of which have little sub battles mm-hmm. in one go without any problems. The energy refills really quickly. And also you get energy bonuses depending on what you do. Mm. So if all you're doing is playing through the storyline, you can actually continue playing and it doesn't bother it. What does happen, what the en- where the energy does come in is that there are these event things that pop up and those eat up a lot of energy. So it's like there's something that's like fight these weak, super weak monsters and get like 10 times the XP. So you like go in and you fight yeah, and then it's like then you run out of energy. Because it costs you like 10 energy where like normally things cost you like three energy, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's obnoxious that it has an energy system, but they got to get their micropayments in somehow. Yeah. Um, There are, again, this game I think came out like five seconds ago because there are aspects of the game that aren't ready. There's like a friends option Mm -hmm. where maybe friends can come in and help you or give you bonuses or something that is not um, open yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, it's... I was just really surprised at the quality of the art. Yeah. Um, the quality of the gameplay. Um, basically, like, uh, it's, there's, there were, like, just, like, two moments that, that were really surprising. One is, like, you start playing the game, and it's like, okay, cool. I figured this out. That's fine. That's great. All these guys have little powers. That's awesome. But, basically, there's this mechanic where you can take a character and move a character through another character's square, and the character whose square you move through um, will move in the opposite direction that your character just moved. Mm. Oh, to help the flanking. Yeah. So you can get into things where you can do huge, decisive, ridiculous moves by basically taking a character, figuring out a path, and going do-do-do-do-do-do, and basically moving it through everybody's squares in the proper direction. Right. And then all of your troops will just, like, move into crazy positions that you presumably planned Mm -hmm. out, hopefully correctly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then like obliterate the monsters. And likewise, if you do it wrong and one of your guys is like, you swipe him left and he moves right and you meant for him to go left. And you're like, ah, no, I screwed up my whole plan and everybody yeah. dies. So <laughs> there, it's like, it is, I was really surprised at how much fun I'm having uh, playing Terra Battle. So I'm going to give it four and a half slices of meatloaf, which is uh, pretty big. Like yeah. I'm mm-hmm. like, this game is free. If you enjoy strategy games, and this is a turn-based strategy game. Okay. Um, mm. If you enjoyed turn-based strategy games and have an iPad and I'm guessing an iPhone and or an iPhone, um, you should really check out Terra Battle. Uh, you might not enjoy it as much as I did, but you know what? It's free. Cool. Uh, Matthew, out this uh, past week, Constantine, number 18. Yes. And oh my God, I never thought I would say this, but the new 52 has given me a character Equally as cool as the one that I remember from what? before. I know, right? Are they gonna, dude? They're gonna. You shouldn't say that. They're gonna yeah, take they're away gonna, your old guy card. Gonna, oh, uh... I know. It's freaking me out. I'm, I'm totally freaked out. Um, <laughs> I actually had dropped out of reading Constantine, uh, mostly out of money. But a couple of weeks ago, there were the what was it? The World's End or Future's End? Future's End. Yeah. Future's End. Yeah, and the Future's End Constantine one shot. Uh, written by Guy Ray Fox, not Guy Fox, different guy. Uh, Ray Fox. <laughs> really nailed what I remember to be the voice of John Constantine from my youth. Most importantly, 
And a lot of people don't realize this because I'm going to get my old guy card back right now. This is the voice of John Constantine before Garth Ennis made people think, oh, mm-hmm. this is the definitive John Constantine. Um, in this story, we start on Earth 2. This is apparently a tie-in with the Earth 2 series where we meet the Earth 2 John Constantine, who's just kind of a boring 30-ish guy sitting in Liverpool having beers. This will be important later. <laughs> and then we're thrown into like 15 pages of all-out fighty-fighty bad news combat with the magic. And I've always liked it when Constantine talks his way out of things rather than using a whole bunch of magic because a character who uses a whole bunch of magic to me is Doctor Strange, and that's a flat-out magic-y superhero. Constantine is the guy who implies that he has a whole bunch of magic and people are frightened to find out whether he can actually do anything with it or not. And that's what we mostly get in this issue. He spends the bulk of the issue tied to a mystic rune by a villain called Wotan. If you remember Wotan, he used to fight the specter. Now he's got a black costume and it's kind of horrible and all like that. But as the issue goes on, John clearly outgunned, clearly overpowered, clearly way out of his league, starts bluffing and starts bluffing even more. And somehow uses the fact that he's on Earth, too. Remember that other John Constantine? Yeah, there's two of him on on this planet. Two of him in this universe uses that to his advantage and ends the issue with this total perfect John Constantine sitting in the ruins of a burned city trying to draw a mystic rune so he can figure out what's going on moment. This is a really good Constantine issue. This is a really good story. If this were an issue of Hellblazer 10 years ago, I would go, yeah, you guys just don't understand. It was, it's, it's, it's vertigo. It's cool side vertigo stuff. I really like this issue's version of the character. And I think that it's equal to the version that, you know, I sort of kind of grew up reading. Four Slices of Meatloaf, Constantine number 18, really strong issue. The art in this is fascinating, kind of old school vertigo art. And there's a really nice vibe to Ray Fox writing that I really like for the character. So I'm, I'm afraid I'm picking up Constantine again as of now. Cool. Um, cool. Thanks, Matthew. Uh, no sweat. Zach, also out yeah. last week, Batman 35 also tying into our, this is the final chapter of the big arc that Capullo and no, Snyder this is, were doing, right? this is the beginning of a new one. This is Batman Oh, okay. Endgame I thought this was uh, tying one. up all the things that have happened over the last uh, uh, two years. No, I do not believe so. Okay. Uh, well, tell us that. Well, let me tell you that uh, I have not read Batman for uh, quite some time. Probably Ever? since. Uh, no, I read a lot of the when it, the fifty two and a lot of the 52. Court of the Owl stuff. Mm. Uh, probably up to like the twenty ish range, maybe around there. Batman, uh, but I dropped it for a long time, and I decided, hey, there was a little scuttlebug about this issue being at five dollars and everything, and. No one else had re- reviewed it, so I said, hey, I'll buy it and review it really quick. Uh, so, uh, you really should have uh, read everything that leads up before this. Yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> and also Batman Eternal, because it's like, these events take place after Batman Eternal. I don't even know if that's done yet. Uh, so I don't even know what's happening there. I don't know what happened in uh, Future's End or whatever big thing just wrapped up everywhere. Uh, cause a lot of that comes into play, uh, at the beginning cause 
Bruce is under some like scarecrow thing where he's having weird visions and he's like dying all the time in his dreams. Uh, there's a there's a there's a lady in the new Batcave, which is in the middle of Gotham, which is pretty cool. It's like this giant uh, building that uh, Bruce is just chilling in with Alfred and whoever this uh, young lady is who's helping uh, Bruce out now. Uh, they don't. I, I don't know who she is. <laughs> I, just, I just don't know. Uh, but she seemed important. She seemed important. Uh, then all of a sudden, crash through the windows. Cue the fighting for the rest of the issue, starting on page four or five, somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, so essentially what happens, uh, beginning of this issue, all this gas starts leaking out of the sewers in Gotham, and they think, oh no, big attack on Gotham, like always. What's hap- What's going to happen? Everyone's evacuating. Gas? It's not deadly. So what's happening? This is what's happening. Batman's clearing out Gotham so he can have a giant fight with the rest of the Justice League. So he's going to save all the citizens of Gotham. What a great idea, Batman. Uh, so then, but then the rest of the issue is Batman in this really cool, uh, like Hulk Buster Iron Man suit that mm-hmm. he invented to take off, take on all the Justice League, where he has little tricks up his sleeves for everyone. So he fights Wonder Woman, takes her out at first. She's like, "We're gonna kill you. Like you're annoying, Bruce." This is essentially what it comes down. To. He's like, "We've always hated you. We've talked behind your back the whole time. You're a you're a n- uh, ninny bopper. Some weird phrase. <laughs> Cotton headed ninny muggins. Yeah, there you go." And uh, so he takes care of that. Uh, Flash comes speeding out. He has a really quick fix for Flash. Aquaman comes out of nowhere. He shoots him with this like sponge stuff, and it absorbs all the water out of his body, which seems mm-hmm. really cruel. Uh, and then Kablooey, uh gets shot through this building, and we're taking on Superman, the one person he had uh, tried to take uh, build this suit all around so we could stop Superman if he ever needed to. Uh, but... Uh, we don't ever see, see the fin- finish of that fight because Bruce is like, Ugh, and then, then uh, Superman's all like, oh, I'm Superman, but he's not Superman. Like, <gasps> why is everyone attacking Batman? Like, why Why would they have like a, they split the bill badly one time or something? Yeah. <laughs> and um, no, big spoiler at the end, uh, <laughs> the Joker's back. And, I want Zach to review all the Batman comics. And, uh, <laughs> Superman's face looks like Joker. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Remember, because Joker took off his face. I don't. I, I don't know. They don't really explain. Like he's back, and Superman's face at the end uh, actually is a freaking awesome looking page from Greg Capullo. Uh, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Where Superman is the Joker. The Joker is Superman. And uh, ooh, look, where'd he go? Ooh, scary, scary. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so that was twenty-four pages of. A lot of you know, uh, it was it was it was not bad. The follow up story, the backup thing, uh, is by James Tinian and Kelly Jones, and colored by uh, Michelle Medicine. Uh, it was actually really interesting. It ties in back to the Joker's back, and uh, he's been dealing with some people at, locked up in Arkham, just like some normal crazy people. Uh, but it seems like through the course of this new arc on Batman and these backup stories, that they might be delving into the origin of the Joker. <gasps> And trying to do where the Joker has come from, the New 52. The first, uh, essentially what's going to be happening is all these people in Arkham are, uh, the Joker has come to them individually and told them who he is and where he's come from. And uh, they're all arguing. And only one person is right. And he, they will be the only person that lives and everyone else will die. And the first story we get is that the Joker is the devil himself. 
which is which is really interesting. Wow. <laughs> like this guy stumbled into the woods and saw the Joker rising as this white form, and uh, he's essentially the devil. And he says, like Batman thinks he killed me, but I'm never actually dead. I actually just go back into hell and I crawl my way back up because Gotham sits on top of hell, which is like this really weird, like dark, cool story that the Joker mm. would tell some crazy person to believe. Uh, so really, I wish more pages would be dedicated to this in thing mm-hmm. and less to the fighty fighty of of the superheroes. Because uh, this is only like uh, six or seven pages. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, I, I I enjoyed it. Do I think um I'll keep reading? Not if it's five dollars an issue, because that's a lot of money. They did. For, they did. Uh, are they gonna knock it down? There've been yeah, a lot it of goes back. Work. It goes back down a dollar. Scott Snyder did say that. Uh, he worked it out with DC and oh, they good. agreed to lower oh, the good. price for the next three issues back down to four oh, or three ninety nine. They really and it'll be four ninety nine after those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at least the next time they start a big arc with everyone involved. So it was a good issue. I'm I'm gonna give it uh you know three and a half slices of meatloaf. Um, really like the ending thing, and it would be interesting to see the Joker back in the Batman books. Cool. Well, thank you, Zach. Yep. Um, this week I am reviewing a book that doesn't come out until December. It's called Harold. Lovecraft and Tesla, History in the Making, issues, uh, Issue 1 of 3. This is by uh, John Riley, art by Tom Rogers. Uh, boy, uh, talk about a hook to bring Stephen in. A missing Amelia Earhart who's trapped in an alternate dimension. Oh, mm-hmm. had to be Her former fiancé, Nikola Tesla, wanting to save her. Um, and interacting with Harry Houdini, uh, Albert Einstein, and, of course, Howard Batman. Lovecraft. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry. In an attempt to bring her back. It's a great concept. Really cool concept. They do make a nice dig at Edison because Edison is a dick and he's being a dick in this uh, comic <laughs> book. And so that was good. But the thing is, they turned all of the characters into really crazy exaggerations of the characters that, um, of what you think they are. Mm-hmm. And don't necessarily follow these characters have really no basis on yeah. the real characters, right? It's like, mm-hmm. like, like how Nikola Tesla wasn't, uh, yes. Like Nikola Tesla's lab is just littered and dirty, which is totally opposite of the way Nikola Tesla was. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean how he wasn't going to marry Amelia. Yes, Amelia <laughs> yes, that that's true too, but they've got Lovecraft as some crazy guy living in his mom's basement, uh, typing up fan fiction on, uh, on different dimensions and claiming that he knows better than all of the scientists in the world, which is again, totally opposite of the character. And, um, it's just that part kind of took me out of it because I think you can tell some really smart tales that feature these characters in it. For example, last week, I think it was last week I did the Harry Houdini meets uh, Sherlock Holmes story. And that one was really smart in the way that they have those two characters interacting. This one is, Again, just wild and crazy, almost like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, where Mm -hmm. none of the historical characters are really based on anything other than what we picture in our mind that those characters Mm -hmm. may have at one point acted and looked like. Sure. And so that's what's happening here. The art is really nice. Uh, The story is really kind of catchy. I'm I'm curious as to why uh, Lovecraft's mother uh, did what she did to poor to her poor son. Uh, of course, Lovecraft's mother died uh, early on, and he was living with his aunts uh, at the time of this story. 
it's still kind of fun, and I, I will pick up the other three issues. This is on solicitation now. If you're a Lovecraft fan, a Tesla fan, any of these historical figures, in fact, they were even able to wedge uh, Mark Twain in here by putting uh, by giving him a quote inside the front cover. Um, if any of that interests you, go order the book. I'm giving it three and a half <laughs> slices of meatloaf. I am going to read these other uh, books uh, from Action Lab Entertainment as they come out. So there you go. A hundred years from now, they're going to write a comic starring George Carlin and Jimi Hendrix and Richard Nixon and uh, Nadia Comaneci. And they're going to fight crime. You know, I don't have a problem with like action philosophers or um, five fifths of science. Wasn't that what it was? Mm -hmm, Five fifths mm -hmm, of science. I don't have a problem with those, but this is just a little bit, little bit border on the slapsticky. Yeah. And that's, that's, that kind of troubles me on, on where they're going next. Um, but I'm, I'm okay with it. Three and a half slices of meatloaf for that. And listeners, if you want to read some more reviews, head over to majorspoilers.com and check out all of the reviews over there. <laughs> all right. Reviews are done and we're running short on time. So why don't we get into the major spoilers poll of the week? Week, 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 week. Uh, this week we've been giving a lot of love to DC television properties over the last couple of weeks. This time, it's time to turn the tables and focus our attention on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2. Yay or nay, Rodrigo? I didn't watch the first season, so I'm going to say nay. Zach? Uh, Yeah, I only watched a few episodes of the the first season, and I just really have no interest in the second season. Matthew? Yay. They sidelined the most annoying character. They gave the annoying girl uh, actually things to do. There's no more Ming-Na Wen and more Phil Coulson. Okay. Uh, you know, I have not had a chance to sit down to watch anything in season two because, and, and I don't know, uh, there has been little interest on my part, I guess. I don't know why, because I really like Phil Coulson as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, every time I have a free moment, I'm like, well, let me watch Flash. Let me watch Arrow. Let me watch Gotham. Let me watch, you know, some other show mm-hmm. that people are recommending. Scorpion. Scorpion. Yeah. Don't watch Scorpion. And I... I have to say agents of shield nay, because I just haven't had a chance to watch it yet. So I don't know, you know, I thought last season ended really well. I thought it ended strong, Mm -hmm. but for some reason there's nothing that to drag me back into, to watch this season yet. Maybe I'll wait until mid season and just catch up in one big run. Like I did before and love it. Uh, but for right now, agents of shield nay, there's a lot to be said for a show just being like, well, like just being in your rotation. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Picking so, it up where you can. Yep. I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just never, never made it in for me. Yeah. yeah. Matthew, mm-hmm. how has uh, everyone else voted so far? Interestingly, 109 votes in the bag, 75% saying Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yay, over 25% yeah. nay. Everyone says that the season is really, really good. So It's, a, you know. it's the season that I kind of hoped for. We've seen a lot of Easter eggs. They're introducing a lot of new characters. Uh, the season opened with the Absorbing Man. Uh, well, he wasn't called the Absorbing Man, but he was clearly the Absorbing Man. And then, of course, we have the Blizzard, and we have more Patton Oswald, and we have more actual fighty fighty. And they took the annoying hacker girl who was, you know, the chosen one, and actually made her do something. And in doing something, they made me like her. All right. Listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com and you can cast your vote in the Major Spoilers poll of the week. Next week, we kick off the Major Spoilers costume contest voting. So you're going to want to get in on that. Also next week, be on the lookout for Wonder Woman Week. We're going to turn all of next week into Wonder Woman Week. We're going to have features, articles, reviews, stories, all sorts of things, uh, taking a look at Wonder Woman. So you're going to want to check that out 
over at Majorspoilers.com. As we get into uh, this interview this week that I do with uh, Tobias, or Toby as I know him, Toby Yoshimura, um, I think it's really interesting, and I, and I uh, hope you guys enjoyed as much as I enjoyed talking with him. Uh, he knows a lot, and uh, I think if you guys enjoy this, we'll, we'll have him back on the show in future episodes. But this portion of the Major Spoilers podcast is being brought to you by our friends over at Tweaked Audio. And uh, if you want to get some uh, good headphones or earbuds for your ear hole so that you can listen to everything in crisp, clear, beautiful sound, you want to get a pair of Tweaked Audio headphones. A lot of different styles, a lot of different colors. When you're over at Tweaked Audio, uh, use the checkout code MAJOR, M-A-J-O-R, at TweakedAudio.com and get 33% off the price. Thanks, Tweaked Audio, for your support. So today I am sitting here with uh, Toby Yoshimura, uh, who has been doing a lot of production work over the years. He's worked for Saturday Night Live. He was the unit producer for... Unit production manager. Unit production manager for um, The Amazing Race uh, for several seasons. Uh, he's produced some reality television shows for MTV uh, Inter- what, International. Yeah, MTV International, uh, uh, MTV uh, uh, North America, VH1, pretty much every network, cable and network I've I've worked, uh, done something for a lot of reality, a lot of daytime, um, NBC, CBS. I've even done an ABC show a million years ago. So, what was that um, one? Uh, God. Uh, it was AB, an ABC family show. Oh, yeah? God, I can't remember, even remember the name of it anymore. But, of course, I've only had six hours sleep. Yeah, there you go. So, so Toby's, <laughs> Toby now works at Fort Hayes State University yeah. as uh, as one of their advanced production unit uh, faculty members uh, for media studies yeah. and has just been doing a bang-up job. But because he's been embedded in the system for so long and because we do talk a lot about um, – television, movies, uh, especially as it relates to pop culture and kind of what goes on inside the head. I thought it'd be a good idea to at least get Toby on here for an initial interview. And then we can, uh, depending on how well you guys like this, we can bring him back to talk about, you know, how does something get made? Why are things get made? What are the processes? What are secrets? Those kinds of things. But I guess something that troubles me, Toby, as kind of a start off is, it's kind of a broad, generic question, and we've talked about these a lot of times. But why? Why is Hollywood stupid? And I and I say that, <laughs> and I say that not to put down, especially. And, I, and I'll say this, and I've said it to you before. I'm not a big fan of reality TV shows yeah, because yeah. it's super easy to produce, yeah. and it's reality in quotation marks. Yeah. But why? Why does Hollywood go the easy route all the time to the point where? Everything they make is just a regurgitation of something else. There is yeah. very little new ideas that get yeah. get past the uh, don't even get greenlit. Right. Well, so I, it sounds like you're talking about features. Yeah, features. So, uh, even television yeah. shows, though, too. Yeah. I mean, it's it's what's what's strange is that so to, to speak to two different things. The one of the most popular shows, I in my opinion, in very recently uh, was Breaking Bad. Right. Um, uh, Breaking Bad, the word out there was he pitched that show for two years. Yeah. Um, and couldn't get anybody remotely interested in a story of a chemistry teacher that turns into Scarface. Right. Um, but, you know, to, thus the lightning strikes. And, it be, it, and of course, it's a great story mm-hmm. um, to tell. You know, in, in it, 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 another example of a network series. Uh, nobody expected to do anything uh, was the dome under mm-hmm. the dome. Yes. Uh, under the dome, uh, a 10 episode 
um, you know, 10 episodes and done. Um, and, and now it's back for another season because the ratings were simply so high. Mm -hmm. My uncle Jimmy's a screenwriter and had that exact same problem with a series called homicide life on the street on NBC years ago. And he, you know, a wonderful show. The network didn't understand it, killed the show. Yeah. And then they won three Peabody's and the, and the audience of it wrote in, horrible letters to the network and they brought it back. Right. And I mean, so that there are some times where there are some really good programming and certainly at at major spoilers, we talk homicide law and life on the streets a lot and law and order as especially in the early days of law and order, how really fantastic those shows were, especially, and we've been talking about those two shows in particular, a lot more recently with uh, the Gotham uh, TV series, uh, which is basically a police procedural set in the early days of before Batman in Gotham city. I mean, yeah. I, right. So, I mean, I, you know, but, I, mean, I think we, it's about, it, it, to me, there, there's sort of this, the, the, if you look at the oligarchs of, of the Hollywood system and their appeared resistance to shift into a new media, media model, mm-hmm. they're not doing, uh, uh, you know, 20 features a year right. now. Now it's six tentpole shows mm-hmm. or tentpole movies or stories that they're telling. All of them are $300 million features or whatever right. these massive budgets are. And it just gets them through the calendar year. Mm-hmm. But I, I get, you know, I, it, 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 it all goes to what is the delivery system? In my opinion mm-hmm. is now you hear a couple of years ago. Now I, I feel like it was a couple of years. Heart, uh, Weinstein company decides, and it, there's an announcement in the trades that he is, no longer in 2015 or 2016, you're never going to see a Weinstein company film in the movie theater. Right. He's releasing on Netflix. Right. Well, oh, even, even right. Adam Sandler just signed a big deal yep. to do his next, what, six movies or something yep. with, with Netflix. Right. And, which is a big deal. Uh, the Sheen's, uh, Martin Sheen's doing a, uh, a, a, a series on Netflix. It's mm-hmm. that, that, so that, that ability, like, so movie theater then as the delivery system, is dying. Right. The major studios that, you know, control everything from the creation through the delivery of it, mm-hmm. um, are not shifting as quick as they, they should. It's sort of like steering Mount Everest yeah. into, yeah. by the way, you never have to leave your home now to see if major feature. Well, film. and that's, that's the cool thing too. And something that I've been uh, just, uh, our listeners know, I've been berating on this for almost a decade now that, I want the first run movie in my home on the day that it opens. I want to yeah. be able to sit down in my home theater, which has a better viewing experience yeah. than the theater. And yeah. you've been to, I don't know if you've been to this theater in town <laughs> no, or not, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I've got the better experience at home. And, and yeah. when I can sit down and watch horns before it hits yeah. the, the theater, or if I can watch uh snow piercer immediately on the, within the same week that it arrives in theater, I'm going to go shift that way. Right. Hollywood's still making it. So the studios are still making their money to regardless of where they're releasing from. Yeah. Um, especially because they can do a rental for eight bucks. Yeah. And that's about what a movie ticket costs yep. on a matinee. Yep. And so it, it seems like they, they're starting to understand some of that process, but maybe they're still not getting it. And of course the theater owners are uh, pushing back and making a lot of threats to the studios yep. as well, which yep. kind of makes them have to say, well, okay, let's placate these people while we try to make that shift. But yeah. I, I guess what I'm getting at is at one time it was HBO and Showtime. You yeah. know, the tag was the best stuff on television is yeah. on is on Showtime. Yeah. And then 
you, you see great shows on, on HBO and Showtime. You still see some great still, content yeah. on there. Yeah. Uh, Penny Dreadful and you yeah. know, whatever's out there now. True Detective. True Detective. Amazing Holy series. freaking crap. That's a yeah. good show. <laughs> um, yeah. But, and I've got a question about piracy that you may be able to answer too. But then you see shows like, or networks like FX with The Shield and then AMC coming up with The Walking Dead and, yeah. and now um, Mad Men and um, um, the one that they we were just talking about a moment ago. Yeah. They start to get it. They understand, yeah. or Breaking Bad, you know, they get it and they, they've latched onto this and suddenly yeah. all these cable networks like USA Network is picking up their own series that run and yeah. have really good ratings. But it seems like the major networks, the Alphabet networks, still are kind of just... But I don't know. Right. That, that's kind of that idea that they, why are they struggling so much when it comes to prime time, when it comes to finding content to reach their viewers, why are they having such a difficult time finding stuff? And then suddenly you've got another CSI spinoff. Right. Well, it's pan, right. So it's, in my opinion, if I was, you know, a, a billion dollar oligarch studio, yeah. I would be panicking. If I didn't have a digital delivery service, mm -hmm. you know, if you look at, I, I watched a documentary uh, as totally out of context of this, but on uh, uh, 30 seconds to Mars lawsuit mm -hmm. um, and one, there was an artist on there. Uh, it was like Moby or somebody that gave a little soundbite of, they know that the music and you know, you, the music industry is in trouble when the delivery system that controls the industries fund purchasing yeah. of music yeah. is a computer company. Right. Right. And, and I think that we have the same problem now is, is, is that they're not the only company that I, that, that has a digital delivery service mm -hmm. is NBC with Hulu. Right. Um, and I, you know, it, it's funny. It's like, I remember when Hulu was up for sale mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden Netflix stumbles yeah. and it's magically, but we didn't mean that we're mm -hmm. not we, Hulu's no longer for sale because all of a sudden Netflix has become such a big deal. Yeah. I think that if I'm a major studio, I'm scared to death of what I see as the future mm -hmm. and trying to scramble as much cash as I possibly can right. because I'm not ready to shift or I simply refuse to. And then mm -hmm. to com compound Do you think it. it's more of a refusal or do you think it's more of a, Where's the where's the resistance coming from? Is it coming from ABC not wanting to shift to digital, but they've already got their own ABC apps and they've got everything yeah. that's there? Yeah. NBC's got Hulu, Amazon's got their stuff, Netflix, Disney's got all their stuff. Is it the refusal to just pull that final trigger because there's so much more money to be made on the commercial side from the commercials that they're selling yeah. uh, during those slots? Yeah. And it's not so much the, the, the people watching as but, much as it is a perceived advertising model? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that feeds into it. If you, you, there was an article in the New York Times, um, the, it, it, maybe four or five months now on, uh, the, the big five, uh, had run focus groups and discovered that their, uh, the demographic tuning in at eight o'clock mm -hmm. um, was, uh, you know, 35 and up. Right. They wanted their leading men and women mm -hmm. to be 50 year old, you know, yeah, yeah. heroes yeah. and, 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 and villains. And it's, and then that literally, if you were under the age of 30, you were not making an appointment in front of your television set mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. They just didn't go there, not interested. You right. had none of the, the sort of MTV generation. And then simultaneous to that, I'm told that 
um, there, or there's a, that MTV finally figured out who their demographic is, mm-hmm. is that it's actually 12 to, 12 to 16, 14, 14 yeah. or 16, yeah. that, um, the following things are true. And I'm sure that these statements got convoluted and changed by the time it landed on my desk, but that, um, they don't understand why, um, they're not getting a million dollars for their YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, their YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't understand why they need to go to college and they think that they should be, just be an online star right. tomorrow. Right. Um, but it's actually happy. You look at Epic Mealtime, mm-hmm. those guys cooking with bacon. Now yeah. they've got their own series on yep. television. I don't know if it'll be successful because I think well, what that network are they on? They're like, they're yeah, not on, they're it, not on, uh, no, it's, it's like an obscure network. I think it's one of the discovery channels. Yeah. Um, and they, they, they added pretty girl mm-hmm. with, you know, guys to yeah, talk yeah. in a giant studio and they cook with bacon. They all sit around and talk. I don't think it's quite as funny, but if you, you're getting 4 million views in, in two days right. from a seven minute video cooking with bacon, yeah. somebody's going to try to format that show. Yeah. I believe that it is a, it is a, it is a young, younger generation revolution of this is where I'm getting my content and, and a complete rejection of guys, my age, right. You know, and, and that's, I don't, I, I think that that's but, really but that's hard always, to take, but that's always been, but I thought that was always the, um, the demographic. I mean, the big demographic is uh, males 18 to 49. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's actually a smaller, it's like 18 to 25 or yeah. 35. Right. Yeah. Is the target demographic yeah. that you're trying to hit. Right. But it sounds like the studies are showing that that's not who the networks are hitting. Right. At all, on any level. Yeah. And here's, here's what I think we haven't seen, or at least I don't remember it in my, you know, I've been doing this for around 20 years now. I don't remember ever where an entire generation of people decided to stop doing something mm-hmm. all at once. Mm-hmm. And it's, so that the crazy. ad dollars in the billions are yeah. shifting from broadcast and theatrical mm-hmm. and billboard to a digital environment yeah all at once but, and that's, <laughs> it's crazy to me it, it really you know? you know it is crazy yeah. because again youtube's been around for what a decade now maybe longer yep 600 million people in that pond or something like that but they yeah. still online advertising is still totally messed up Yep. And that people can't figure out their revenues. And someone yep. like PewDiePie, who's making $4 million a year from his YouTube videos, yep. now wants to go and do something else, maybe yep. something in a more traditional media, the Schmosh uh, website, which the is channel, just crazy which, to me. Right. So yeah. you're familiar with them. Yeah. They've got a movie deal now. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, can you tell me? Cause I can't figure this out. And, no. and one of our, one of our co-hosts on this show, he is in the, uh, he just turned 20 something. 23, 24, yeah. or something like that. I would figure he's in that demographic for Schmosh. Yeah. And he's not. No. He's in a much younger demographic. Yeah. But I don't know. There's just this. My youngest child is three. And he starts watching these YouTube videos of Play-Doh and little toy unpackaging. And they're not even really reviews. They're just like shaking toys in front yeah. of the camera. And it's yeah. a poor production quality. Yeah. And I'm watching these videos and it's like. 2 million views, 16 million <laughs> right. views, 20, yeah. 22 million views on this one video Yeah, on YouTube. Yeah. They're making a lot of, somebody is making, making some money off of that. Some money. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I watched, I, I hadn't seen that, that I've seen others though, like Epic Mealtime. Yeah. Yeah. 
there's a Nina yeah, Pebbles yeah, yeah. or whatever yeah, yeah. with her little poodle. Mm-hmm. She's got a couple million views. And mm-hmm. then there's the boardroom. That, right. And she's got a million views. Um, I, 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 here, here's sort of my, where I think this is coming from. It's, it's authentic. Mm-hmm. And I think that the opinion of the person delivering the media matters. Mm-hmm. When I hear um, college students saying, uh, talking about a political, an article from Politico, right. which I truly believe <laughs> skewed much higher. Yeah. But I think that you're there because in a new media model, you can reach out and grab whatever you want from your smartphone mm-hmm. any time of the day or night. You have access to the messages from multiple environments. And so authentic matters. Yeah. And uh, I'm obsessed with news and in order to get sort of what I believe might be the truth. I have to watch MSNBC, Fox and CNN and right. CNN. And then if I can get BBC, I'll watch it. Sure. And if I can get CNN international, at least I'll get slightly not a yeah, yeah. skewed opinion. Right. And somewhere in there is the truth. Right. Right. But with, and it's not even necessarily to news. I think that the new purchasing generation has decided collectively all at once that we're going to, we want our media in a certain way mm-hmm. and we're just not going to listen to you anymore. Right. Um, and I don't think that they're even consciously thinking that they just don't care. Um, they're not going to go to the movie theater. They're going to mm-hmm. get it on their phone. If they can get an internet signal and everybody can, you know, that, and that's how they're going to get their media delivered to them. And they want it to be real, authentic, and it, it, it with no message. They don't want the high gloss. The days of Jersey Shore are over. Right. You know, so. Well, I, I guess I, I, for me, and this is frustrating probably for you because you've worked in network television yeah. for years, for decades. Forever. Right. Right. The frustrating thing is um, Epic Meal Time will put together a really well-produced piece. Yep. Jenna Marvel's. Yeah, maybe not as polished, Jenna Marvels is but it's right. but it's still really good. But it, I mean, yep. there are so many people who are producing high quality content online, and yep. and for me, for my professional standards, I like to make sure that our podcasts are the highest quality that yep. they can be. Any videos that we do, we try to make them the highest quality that they can be. Yeah, follow you know what makes a good clear message. And then you turn around and there's some <laughs> right. giant Hulk Play-Doh piece of crap yep. thing that's, that's on a video channel that's million 22 views. million views. Right. Does that, I mean, you've got a lot more hair than I do. So it's must not, you must not be pulling your hair, hair out as much as I am I mean, over I, this thing. It's, it's, but no, it's a mystery to me. And I, I, so I, I can only speak to what I think. I think that if you, you know, take the delivery system out of the equation for a minute mm-hmm. and you had the same type of thing happen in prior history with, uh, with, with sort of who's home watching. Right. And how do they get that content? Mm-hmm. So there was a, there's uh, two women that were just, just having, uh, uh, they, they're new mothers and they realized. Yeah. Yeah. The, they uh, realized that yeah. they hadn't, uh, they, they, that there wasn't a lot of information out there for new moms. Right. And they, I forget the name of the website. Yeah, it's a mommy they, cast. Right. A mommy mm-hmm. cast, but it was like, they call it like commando mom or something. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. it was, and they, and they were like, here's a hint. Yeah. Right. And it was like two moms with their iPhone mm-hmm. and, and like within a week, the thing explodes online and, 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 uh, and, and, and then there's a talent agency trying to sell them because they want to package up the video. Right. I think that it goes to what 
the demand is and, and the microscopic nature of, 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 uh, you can even call it transmedia if you want, or just visual media did deliver digitally is that it can be that isolated in a, in, in, in what the topic is, is that these women were just talking to each other about, man, are, we should write this down somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, no, just say it. They yeah, pull yeah. out their phone and they record right. it. It doesn't really matter. I, in my opinion, I don't think it matters. I launched uh, uh, the show for MTV. We put uh, uh, two of the cast members, it was a little f- argument they had outside a nightclub up on Facebook mm-hmm. um, and then waited. Mm-hmm. And, and the marketing company that we had hired for a zillion dollars had said, if it's, if it's an organic fan base and they accept it, right. that's the best way to deliver your content. Mm-hmm. And of course they said within 24 hours, there were 5,000 fans of the page. And they all said, we know this is a television show. Top, stop lying to us. And right. when we get it. Right. And then MTV called us and said, okay, we're just kidding. We, even though they told me at first they didn't want the show, 5,000 fans in 24 hours is a big deal to them. We had yeah. 30,000 within a month. Right. And it was like, okay, now we really want to buy the show, but we don't have any money. And the, the online view still got way more. Yeah. And I said to them, they were like, oh, this, this, this show skews, you know, 14 to 18. It's perfect for us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, it's actually look backwards is the show and what the narrative is. And it, it turned out that people were watching more online than they were on in front of their yeah. television set. I just believe it's the delivery system and the, and that it feels authentic are the two things that that super matter mm-hmm. as a content creator. And that is got to be really scary. I mean, there's no way you're going to package up. You're not going to see the Play Doh guy, yeah, on CBS primetime. Yeah, but the, I mean, but he's that's got law not, and order. But that's numbers, not. But that's right? not the. That's not. I guess if you're looking at. Where's the audience? Yeah. And where's the money? He could give two craps about going over to True. PBS. But then let's right? circle back to why you say Hollywood is stupid. And I'm not really going to say that because I have right, right. friends there. But, yeah, I know, I know. But, but why, I'm say, I'm why saying won't it they ingest. shift? Right. Because there's an executive at a studio that's going, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. This guy's playing finger puppets with Play-Doh. Right. And he's got, as, he's got bigger numbers than, than Chicago PD. Yeah. You know, or the the new Dick Wolf show in Chicago that's killing it yeah, out yeah. there, right? Yeah, and and you, he's not, and and then and, and then another movie studio is going. We don't get twenty two million people going to our CR movies, right? There's something very very wrong with this with 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 where our industry is going. So then let me ask let me ask you this. Yeah, and this kind of so you work for Saturday Night Live yeah. for years. Yeah. Sadly, this weekend, this past weekend, Saturday Night Live had its lowest rating ever as a 1.7. Yeah. Which, you know, 10 years ago, if you had a 1.7, you'd be you off within off 10, 10 minutes right. within within they, the show starting. They don't let you go get your banker's box. They throw it out the window. Today, a 1.7 <laughs> is, uh, you know, maybe not too shabby in many cases. Right. So, 1.7 is like, what, a million and a half yep. viewers. They think. That means the right. people that actually flick their box over the people counter stuff makes it very real. Yeah, yeah. So, I just did a people counter thing not too long. Ago, little so. scary. <laughs> yeah, it is. Little scary I've, if you're yeah. if you're an O and O. I I was at Jerry Springer when they shifted from Nielsen to, to People Counter. Right. And everybody was sure we were getting twelve and a half share mm-hmm. in daytime, which is monster. That's yeah. like Oprah number, right? Yeah. We were killing Oprah for months. 
Um, and then it shifted to people counter. It turned out that, that not was so much total make believe. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like it was panics. It was a battle oh, yeah. stations. The, the syndication delivery went from 295 episodes a season to 175 because they couldn't charge as much for the advertising. Yeah, because of the because of that rating. Right. And the car companies and Ford and Chrysler mm-hmm. and all those guys. I mean, those big, you know, good car and all those advertisers aren't going to go on Jerry Springer, but to the people that were paying for that, you mm-hmm. know, your your ambulance station lawyers mm-hmm. are like, what you pro- there's 26 people watching my yeah. commercial. Yeah. So anyway, so Circle Black Star and Alive, man, I, you know, my dad's been there for since 1975. Mm-hmm. The biggest shows that they've done have attached – and they won the Emmy for it, actually, was the Justin Timberlake episode. Right, right. Right, which speaks to a very specific specific demographic. I don't know who the guest was. Um, I forget who it was, too. But Right. From my time there, it feels like whenever they had this sort of new generation mm-hmm. artists and talent on there, mm-hmm. the ratings would explode. Like, I remember the Black Crows coming on. Right. And I was like, who's the Black Crows? Yeah, and it yeah. was like that heroin OD song, whatever it was, was like the biggest thing ever. Right. Yeah. Um, But you know, these guys are sort of hanging out in the hallway. Little did they know the moment they went live, their entire lives were going to explode everywhere. I, I mean, I, you know, once again, I think that the old guard of, of uh, my generation were just aging out of entertainment. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I cannot. But it's sad, though, because there's still so many, so many great things to share yes, and tell sure. and funny moments that can that can happen. Yeah. And listen, Saturday Night Live is an amazing show. It is. I don't know that the current I'm only getting my media on a on a tablet. Right. Has found it. Well, but so the, here's here's the thing. So Saturday Night Live this past weekend, million and a half, two million. Let's yeah. say, let's round up and say two million views. Yeah, too many people, two million people watching. You go in online and you look at uh, Key and Peele, uh, you know, on Comedy Central. Yeah, yeah. Um, their latest show had a point seven rating, right? I didn't know that, but okay. Uh, I went looked. I looked right. it up before this meeting. Yeah. I was like, well, I want to just kind of compare because. If you go to their latest standalone video that they have up on the Comedy Central YouTube channel, yeah, three million views, right? So it's so bad. Look at College Humor, yeah, right, and Which Funny I, or Die. Right, I knew some guys in, that were writing in College Humor. Yeah, those usually have millions of views. Yeah, would it make sense then for Saturday Night Live to retool, or and I should say a show like Saturday Night Live, but for them to retool and say, you know what, we're going to really work in telling these funny bits and it. For me, while the live comedy is funny, the live skits are really good. I like the prepackaged yeah. contents, the dick in the box kind of yeah, yeah, bits, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. That's funny. Would it make sense for Saturday Night Live to shift away from television and put it online? Because if each one of their little bits is getting 2 million plus views, yeah, that's more people that are watching the show. Man, you know, I, I mean, what a great idea. I guess because it all. I mean, you would know more because like, you're you're you have connections. You've been working in the industry. You've been moving into new media uh, with your production company. We'll talk yeah. about that another time. But yeah. it, it, I don't know if that's a yeah, if that's no, a viable I mean, but, idea. But then, then, then you, you with funny, it, it, funny or die is a perfect example. It started mm-hmm. on the web. You know, yeah. if you drive, you drive traffic that way. I would argue that they're probably not driving to the web as much as they should. 
Because that's where everybody's going. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that it's the delivery system. Mm-hmm. But then, I, you know, from working there, and this was years ago, but, you know, I was, I, my dad is still there and, 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 and uh, you know, I see him when I'm home in New York. And I, I just think it's the size of these things that. Is it too, is it a monster you can't it control? It is a monster yeah. you can't. You're, there's, I, I, I would, I, I would be amazed and, you know, drop to my knees the day that a Goliath like that, she would do that shift. But mm-hmm. then, but then I'm, then I'm watching a network primetime show a couple of months ago. And there's this very strange banner ad. And I think it was yeah. probably the Academy Awards driving me to a show called Blue. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and it, but it's driving me to a dot com. Yeah. And I go to the dot com, and sure enough, it is a web series that a major network's put up, and it and and it's about a hooker or something yeah, yeah. who's named Blue, right? And I watch an episode, and it's produced. They, I mean, that was shot the thing on a red. I mean, it was mm-hmm. a beautiful show, mm-hmm. yeah. But it was a web series produced by a major network, yeah. You know, so I don't know. May, maybe some of them are sort of going. Listen, we can't be the last ones to the party, right? Right. Right. When Netflix is cutting multi-million dollar deals Mm -hmm. and they were the i mean you just look at the escalation of it they have they have what a a, a couple million subscribers Mm -hmm. every month they're getting 7.95 from you eight bucks a month yep every every month (laughs) right every month 12 months out of the year i don't even know when it leaves my bank i know and that's that's the you know you know that's it's what Netflix has done, and I and is the same model that the that your gym uses, right? Right. At the beginning of the year, you want to lose weight, you go to the gym. They're like, "Well, it's going to be twenty nine ninety nine a month to use right. our gym." Right. By March, you're not going to the gym, but you sign that one year contract, and every month, valleys, right? Yeah, you can't get out of twenty nine ninety nine comes right out of your <laughs> right. account, and you don't recognize it. Same way right. with eight dollars a month. It is, and I and I say this kind of in broad terms, but it's a non consequential amount of money. Yeah. I mean, for some people, everybody you're going to argue. Eight yeah. bucks, right. Everybody has eight bucks. For for unlimited content, I mean, right. I guess that's the sort of the, they've crossed the bridge now Yes, where they don't have enough content, where before mm-hmm. it was like, I really wish they would just get one movie that I'd want to watch. Right. Because it was all of this stuff that was like, oh, ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. that was a really bad, st- I can tell in the first two minutes, I right. want to run for my life. Well, but, you know, you know, there. Here's the other thing: is that Netflix and I, and and Kevin Spacey, I think, was really great when he was like, "Look, Netflix and what we're doing with House of Cards yeah. is is the way that the industry needs they to make." Bull Willimon as well, right? Yeah. Greatest writer ever. Yeah, like, but I mean, they put together something really good. But Orange yeah. Is the New Black is the same way. And yeah, you, but when I watch um, an Amazon original programming piece, like uh, Alpha House or whatever, you seen enough? I haven't. I haven't seen that one, but right. I've seen some stuff that makes me scratch my head again going, this would never have made it onto network television. Well, it may have made it on Fox in the first year that Fox broadcast, right? That kind of quality. But it's like this, why is this even on? This is really bad. And then you find out that it's been renewed for a third season of online original programming. Right. And then you have to realize, and I think this is the weird thing that, throws people is that there's a niche market for this. Sure. And if they can get enough people to watch this show, it's going to pay for itself through the of ads course. that well, they're selling sure. in that show. And so, so let's talk about the, the shift, right? Mm-hmm. I, uh, 
am obsessed with HBO, clearly. Yeah. My uncle uh, was a writer of um, Homeland last season. Oh, cool. Um, he's not on this season. He's moved on to something else. So, of course, I've subscribed to Showtime. And yeah, I did yeah. love Homeland. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Right. Right. But then if so, if you go to Showtime Go or you go to or mm-hmm. sorry, Showtime Anytime or HBO mm-hmm. Go. Mm-hmm. And then you line them up. Your what's available on in demand because you've subscribed subscribed to everything, right? Because right. I got to watch everything. Yeah, yeah. But you look at what's available through my cable provider, mm-hmm. and then you look at HBO Go. Mm-hmm. There's about a million more pieces of content on HBO's proprietary software, yep. but I still got to pay my cable provider. Yep. And in my opinion, there's the HBO. I don't know about Showtime so much, but it feels like HBO is seeing the writing on the wall because they're populating their site mm-hmm, with all of their original mm-hmm. stuff. And then if you look at Netflix, I don't know this to be true, but it sure did feel like that for a minute Yeah, where all of a sudden you could see whatever you wanted on Hulu and Netflix. Mm-hmm. And it was just there. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden Hulu sort of things just vanished yeah, from it. Yeah. And then Netflix, there was sort of like a, there wasn't as many network shows on Netflix because they're reeling their content back. Right. Because content is king. Yeah. Right. And they're like, if we own this, if we, we, can do we own it, why are we giving it to them when we should have our own platform? Right. Right. So if you like our network, and I think that's what you're going to see is as much as there is, you can get anything you want any mm-hmm. time of the day or night. Mm-hmm. There will only be a few people standing at the end of this little revolution that we're in because the guys with the best content and the most available content will win. Yeah. And it can be the Play-Doh guy yeah. at 22 million views. Right. You know, I still think YouTube is sort of like this massive sort of like walking into the Super Bowl and you can do anything you want. It's the Super yeah, Bowl yeah. of life. Right. Right. Where it's not a whole lot of direction and maybe they have a plan, maybe they don't, but it's sort of like, I know at Netflix, I know what kind of content I can get. And I still think that it's demographic driven mm-hmm. on there. I mm-hmm. think it's, that's more my, our generation than yeah. it is anybody else. Well, I, you know, the thing that frustrates me with HBO is I really want to watch True Detective. I really want to yep. watch Penny Dreadful on, on Showtime. Yeah. But these, these guys, wait until they're just about to start the new season before they release the previous season on iTunes or through other outlets because they want to drive you to become a cable subscriber. Yeah. My understanding, and I don't know what you've heard, is that one of these cable providers is about to break that and say, guess what? You pay us eight bucks a month and you can access HBO Go and you don't have to tie it to your cable subscription. See, but that's that's what I'm saying. I I believe that the actual next conversation will be... uh, you you just get us online. Mm-hmm. They don't want to peel off. HBO wouldn't want mm-hmm. to peel off. Why would they peel off a piece? Yeah. To to Time Warner or yeah. you know Eagle mm-hmm. and give them the money direct. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they're prepared for that. It's just sort of you like don't think HBO's prepared prepared for, it? for how would they collect the revenue? Oh, because know? they're going to get direct from the, the customer. They sure. don't have to worry about right. ten cents on the dollar. But just they're getting like, the whole dollar. So then let's circle back. To iTunes mm-hmm. being the delivery system for all music that's right. actually a computer company. Right. Is mechanically, how does HBO globally mm-hmm. collect a subscription? Mm-hmm. It's got to be freaking a couple of people out on yeah, HBO I'm sure. going, uh, we're going to need <laughs> more space yeah. oh, for yeah. the computers to click the yeah. thing, right? Where yeah. Netflix has sorted that out. Right. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think it, 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 
it's a very interesting and scary time for entertainment. Mm-hmm. That's why I like being a teacher. Well, <laughs> okay, so why do you say why do you say scary? Because you know, the the, from the bottom is, line, the model the model is different. Now. Yes. So I, you know, I, I, you, 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 you create a at least in factual market, you create a show, you pitch the show, you sell the show, you make the show, mm-hmm. right? And forever it was like I, you having a conversation about the launch and the marketing right. guys come right. in and they have a bigger budget than what your budget for your show is. Right. And they have techno cranes and all this crazy mm-hmm. stuff. And they shoot mm-hmm. these great promos mm-hmm. that you were never going to get done for your content. Right. So you for your appetite, it's calling content, but there for your show yeah. is really half hour, an hour episode. And, um, you, you've got your 10 episodes in the can. And then they say, do you have anybody that can put some stuff on Facebook? And you're like, we nearly died making that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. And I'm not going to do it. And this is your problem. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and now it's completely shifted. That is a job. Mm-hmm. It is. It requires massive amounts of labor for the yeah, social media does. push of a show. Right. And if you don't have any social media and another show competing with you does, you will lose that battle. So this is you and I coming from two different worlds. You come at from a... Um, higher budget realm. Yeah. And I come at it from a lower budget realm yep. to where technology has given us this democrat democratization of, of media where everybody can produce anything that they want. And like Plato guy. Right. Or PewDiePie. Yeah. They can become celebrities and stick it to the man. Yeah. Right. Um, but it seems like, and again, we've been doing this for, over a decade now, 15, yeah. 20 years now, um, people still haven't figured out how do we do this right online. Man, I don't but even the know. Thing, right. But the thing is, though, we're both content creators. Yeah. So if you build it, they should come, right? Well, if you build it, they and should that come. that goes into I, your right. social think, media. But, man, I just think that it really goes back to is it real, organic, and honest? Yeah. Because I think at the end of the day – that's really what it comes down to. If the people like I loved the archetypes that that Breaking Bad had, yes. I would have watched that show anywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I would have watched that show online, and I would have been obsessed. I would mm-hmm. have watched that show on TV. And I, I'm one of these guys. Like, I can't wait a week. You know, maybe this is a longer discussion, but like Sopranos, for example. Yeah. I didn't want anybody to talk to me about the episode. I wanted to wait until the season was over. Yeah. The moment the DVD came out, I was going to, or the, I it was launched on iTunes. Right. I bought the entire season and, and I turned my phone off it. for a weekend. And that's what people, that's the right. whole model behind uh, House of Cards. Absolutely. But it's, 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 you know, it's not like me and five of my friends. Yeah. There are millions of people that want to live under that scenario. Right, right. But like, I think that it's, I don't think it's about, who has the highest production quality? Mm-hmm. You know, if that if House of Cards was shot with a run and gun, they did. I mean, the I don't. Greatest but see, thing I don't. But I think when I watched that show, if it was shot on an iPhone, I probably would not care for it yeah, as much. Oh, so sure. So there was a production. I mean, it's Kevin Spacey's company, right? right? So, I mean, that guy's Yoda. Yeah, in is. my opinion. Yeah. But what I think, you know, honest organic story. But then great story, mm-hmm. because that's really what I loved about that series mm-hmm. was the story was amazing. Right. You know, and that, that whole. I mean, 
Yeah, well, I mean, Orange right. is the New Black, I, I didn't really, I couldn't. Here's the problem with Orange is the New Black for me, and this is only me. Sure, I'm sure, I'm sure, sure, sure. Yelled at for saying this. I couldn't get over the guy that had sex with a pie as the yeah, boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it just threw me. Yeah. Like, what a great idea for a show. Mm-hmm. But then, like, I don't care if he's upset. Mm-hmm. The last time I saw him, he had sex with a pot. Right. <laughs> you right. Know I mean? Like, so, like, big mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, but that that's just me. me I mean, no, and, wrong, and, and but, again, but that's your opinion, right? And if right. we're, if we are creating raw, original, honest content, we're having a conversation. Yeah. And I know a lot of times if you're going to sit down and have an interview with somebody, yeah, you've got a media handler there. Yeah. They want to know what kind of questions you're going to ask, right. or they're Absolutely. going to give you the pre-approved yep. questions and topic ideas. Mm-hmm. But I came in with Toby, here are some general areas I kind of want to talk yep. about. The big question is why is Hollywood stupid? Yeah. And let's go from there. Right. And we're having an honest conversation. Yeah. 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 And I hope our listeners find that interesting and fascinating because it is a confusing time. And I think people, want to know, you know, they want some kind of an answer. I, I think people want some kind of an assurance. And I'm sure Hollywood itself wants some kind of reassurance that, hey, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. But like you said earlier, to circle back around, you're spending $300 million on six movies a year. That limits that limits what I get to see. Completely. So I'm going to go somewhere else. And then it right. cycles and- back in on itself again <clears throat> and creates confusion and Paranoia and man, I so I you know I go back to my graduate. I read a great story about um, the Rocky Horror, yeah, and that whole time period, mm-hmm. you know, where they actually canceled the making of that film on the first day of filming, and then somebody talked them into making it. it became one of the highest grossing films in the history of film, right? right? But I think that what you're seeing today is not just so. So wait, during that time period, the big blockbuster films. Of that time, what the big sort of paradigm shift was, people were, were catching fire over Easy Rider and right. Rocky Horror. Mm-hmm. Super small movies, mm-hmm. but great story. Yeah. Right? So then all of the studios run out, and they want to buy the first hippie fl- flick that yeah, they yeah, got yeah. that some guy wrote on the back of a milk carton right. that they produced for $55. Yeah. And they're going to call it art. And everybody's doing that. And all of a sudden, like, that becomes, you know, sort of this ebb and flow. Yeah. What I think is sort of, it's sort of like tossing a hand grenade into the barn that's already burning is that back then the delivery system was still a movie theater. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And maybe television, maybe, right? The invention of movie of the week. Yeah. Yeah. You know, later on. Yeah, that was was big. That was a big deal. Right. My producing partner Sunday was movie. running movie. Yeah. He was movie of the week at Warner Brothers mm-hmm. for years, mm-hmm. um, and then it just sort of abruptly ended forever. Right? right? right. They shot Jr. Movie of the weeks are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if that was connected with that at another time, <laughs> right? Um, but but I think that what is the you know the hand grenade and the the Hellfire missile of our sure. time yeah. is that. Not only do people want to shift from the big, glossy $300 million behemoth, mm-hmm. but the delivery system is attainable by everyone. Right. You, there's no barrier to entry right. of 1050 or 850 or whatever right. a movie is. 
you can illegally rob it from the internet but, with a click of a button. And you know, going back yeah. to HBO, they don't seem too concerned about that. No. They're they're actually proud of that. They're actually going out and saying, Hey, this episode of our number one rated of Game of Thrones yeah. is the number one pirated show out there, which means people <laughs> right. love our show. <laughs> right. But no one's saying, um, so if it's a number one pirated show, just imagine how much money you could be making yeah. if you made it more easily accessible yeah. for people across all platforms. Right. And I think that's the that's the issue, right? I mean, I so let's speak to that for a minute, actually, because I have a, a interesting point. The show that I shot um, in Australia, mm-hmm. we were getting because only thirty percent penetration in that country. Maybe it's more today of actual cable television, right? So everybody gets their entertainment online, mm-hmm. and it's not because they have to or because mm-hmm. they want to; it's because they have to, right? Right. So obviously the online number is going to explode mm-hmm. because they just don't have Foxtel where mm-hmm. you can get MTV. Mm-hmm. So that in, in that scenario, we saw almost immediately after episode one, the Australian version of YouTube exploded. Right. With like, it looked like they literally had a DVD and it wasn't like yeah, yeah, a yeah. camera pointed at the TV yeah, yeah, screen. Yeah. It was the whole thing mixed beautiful and pretty and high def on YouTube. Yeah. And Vi you know, Vicom is the hammer, right? Like mm-hmm. I saw it, I sent an email, I went, wow, that was fast with mm-hmm. a link. Mm-hmm. And within like 10 minutes the thing was dead. Wow. Right? The link went yeah, down. Yeah, but yeah. then another one popped up and it was this back and forth battle for a little while. But like that I think is my is is literally goes to the point of the it, if it if they if they did make that shift, like I don't hear about anybody stealing Netflix series, right? You know what I mean. And I think that that's that's the thing. If they figure out how to make it online, mm-hmm. totally mm-hmm. without a massive barrier to entry mm-hmm. or downloading some crazy app, right? Right. The path has to be simple. Yeah, they'll win the battle. I, right. I think that that shift. So, uh, you know what, man? Maybe the more I think about it, maybe Hollywood is stupid. <laughs> because they just won't but, look at what but, they, so because if they have this it, conversation is it, is it, if I'm running a huge networker studio right. right and I'm like yeah they're stealing my stuff but it, I, maybe I just proved my point I don't hear Netflix saying they're stealing their stuff right but but we know that, know that Game of Thrones is the number one right. rated show out there right and it's gonna, and, it, and, and we know that uh, Apple has proved that people will pay 99 cents for a song because the cost to access that content is so easy that you don't have to go find it on a BitTorrent somewhere. Yep. And 99 cents is nothing. Right. I'll even pay 10 bucks on iTunes. You know, I'll even pay 20 bucks. If I mean, I get that's right. I go now. everything through iTunes. Yeah. If I can get it right now, yeah. be happy and yes. have my little popcorn yes. and, and turn off my phone. I'll, 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 I, I mean, I think, you know, so I think that somebody actually proved that I got head faked actually. I went. I the uh, the Mark Wahlberg film uh, count uh, counterband where he was. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Smuggling money yes. into the. I I saw the poster. And I'm like, yep. Mm-hmm. A day and date release before the theaters, and then the like. There was a. It, in hindsight, it was probably planted marketing where like the theaters were up in arms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That they were going to be that iTunes was beating them. So of course I went buy now. Yeah. And it was not a good movie. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, but I got it instantly. And I think yes. I paid twenty nine ninety five yes. for it or something like that. But you got to sit at home. Yep. 
You got to pause it in my own home. You need to pause right. it when you needed to. You yep. go to the bathroom, get yep. some new popcorn. Yep. You're not missing out on yep. something. You can have as many of your friends over there as you want. Right. Or nobody if you want. Right. And watch it at your own leisure. You don't have right. to go to be sure that you're dressed and shaved and out the door right. and the kids got the babysitter. I can watch the, the new release of my flip-flops yeah. and my pajamas. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and absolutely not shower for three days and watch everything that I want. I get it, man. And I, I well, think, that's why I want to talk to you because I think yeah. you do get it because yeah. I mean, you're doing some stuff. You're doing some online stuff, right? As far yeah. as, as tracking and, and, yeah. and monitoring yeah. stuff. And we can have that conversation a total another time if yeah. you want. Cause there's data yeah, yeah. attached to that, that. So what do you, I mean, you still have your production company, right? Yeah. Do you guys talk about this stuff? Do you guys look at it this way or man, are you so more along, along the lines of let's just, Let's just create and try to sell it to somebody. Yeah, or Hollywood have... and Toby is stupid at this point. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just no, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not trying to embarrass you or make no, you no, no, no. But it's true. I'm, you know, listen. I'm part of the old guard. I, I have, um, I, you know, I even feel silly for saying this. I, there was a, there was a time a year and a half ago where I was like, I want to go find the epic mealtime guys mm-hmm. and and try to get that series. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I wasn't the only one with that idea. Right, right. On television, right. Um, I haven't tried to do an online deal mm-hmm. of a strictly digital delivery of a show. Yeah. But really my last show for MTV really was, that's how I sold it. Mm-hmm. But I used the internet as a marketing tool. Right. I said, here's content. If you like it, I have other plans. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, that was a huge mistake. Yeah. Um, I got offered or the, we collectively um, were offered more money for, uh, for ad sales for content on a website than we actually got by selling it as a series. And it, and I was, and it wasn't like we were fully right. in the, this was 2008. Well, so, you know, it's, it's like, it wasn't that big a deal then I would yeah. say in the last three years, it's completely changed. So you would have made more money by going on yeah. the online. Was that, was that an ego thing? Was that a, Man, was think, that a okay, if so I get I, this on yep. if I and, and I think that's the goal of everybody, right? They want to win the Oscar, they want to win a Golden Globe, they yep. want to be on the number one yep. network, they want to be on the the best movie studio out there to yep. have their stuff released. So okay, is that so, part of it too? I mean, so, right? So I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot. You don't no, have to answer. No, no, no. I call to. myself a television producer, right? right. And, and and in two thousand eight, if somebody said, "Would I like to do a web series?" I'd say, "No, mm-hmm. that's what you do with your." with your undergraduate thesis film, mm-hmm. you know, YouTube is for dummies kind yeah. of a deal. Yeah. And it's just a less than environment. So maybe it is ego, but I can tell you not anymore. I would say by 2010, that was over. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I mean, if you can earn what I heard the Epic guys are making or mm-hmm. what you told me, the Plato web series yeah. is making yeah, yeah. that, Man, you know, I'm not too proud to say. I don't, oh yeah, I mean, I PewDiePie. PewDiePie right. comes out and said for his video game thing is that he he was making four million dollars a year off his 22 million subscribers or however many subscribers that he has. And that's, literally, that's I, nothing to sneeze at, right? No, and literally, I'm not kidding. I don't care who pays for it because mm-hmm. there's great stuff out there on yeah. the internet, yeah. great content and great stories. Mm-hmm. I literally don't care. Um, what I am super interested in is cross cross platform storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, mixing digital media with human theater. Right. With you know, a digital human interaction. Yeah. You know, as a You've seen this documentary about this San Francisco cult 
thing. I forget what the name I of that movie is. I love it. It's a little too hippie for me because I, I watched. Right. I watched it. I stumbled across it in the middle of the night. I think it's before you and I actually had some long conversations yep. with one another. But yep. I stumbled across it in the middle of the night. And I was like, eh, okay, I'll bite. Right. And it was really trippy, weird, but it did incorporate all of those things that you're talking about. Yep. And uh, uh, society, uh, the society for good. I think it's good. That was a, they were sponsored by Nokia. They had right, a right. million dollar budget or something like that. Mm-hmm. But there's a, you know, the Institute, I will actually, when I watched the Institute, cause I stumbled across it too. And I'm like, yeah. yes, this looks fun. Yeah, you yeah. know? And then I'm like, is it wait, real? is this real? <laughs> and then I'm like, w-, and then I thought about it again. And I, you know, I was talking to some of my students about it and I signed it for a reading. I'm like, what do you guys think? Because I think that there's actually one more layer to the game. Mm -hmm. And that, because these things only work from an outside perspective. Right. Is if you film them or tell the story about them, if you're you're not playing them, right? Right, right. So I think that we as viewers, I think some of those little interviews were planted. Right. And we are the last layer of the game. Yeah. That we experienced that game. Yes. Through the eyes of somebody else. Because like, how do you get the guy, the guy, he was clearly in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. That's like, and they were like, yeah, there was this one guy that took it way yeah, yeah, too yeah. seriously. And then cut to silhouette. I'm not going to mm-hmm. show my face because the Institute is real. Right. Man, I was hooked at that yeah, yeah. point. And then afterwards I'm like, what was yeah. that about? You well, know? if you're like me, the minute the movie was over, I was like, I'm going to go online and find out if this is for real. Is or the girl really real. missing? Yeah, right. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course there's a million links of like, I can't, Digest, you know, I'm sure my little brother who can like finish any Xbox game from Japan, and that's the most complicated thing I've ever seen in 15 minutes. Yeah, I'm sure if I said, Can you find out if this is real? Mm -hmm. He's just gathering the data faster, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's an amazing book on uh, uh, cognitive surplus Mm -hmm. that um, I was reading for classes here, and they said something really interesting that that I think is true to this conversation is that the, the idea is that the millennial generation is not productive. Right. And that they spend all of their time in this digital world where I can see my brother who is talking through his Xbox 360 on a Bluetooth earpiece with his friends while texting on a thing mm-hmm. and playing game at the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. And it would appear that they're wasting time. Right. When if you rewind the tape now to our generation Mm -hmm. and you add up the number of hours that we sit in a coma and stare at a box, it's something like 400 million hours of wasted time. Yeah. Where we do do nothing except look and eat popcorn or pizza Mm -hmm. or cheeseburgers or whatever. Mm -hmm. Where actually my little brother's generation is extremely productive because they're doing three things at Mm -hmm. once. They're Mm -hmm. not zoned out. In a, co- in a comatose yeah, state. Yeah, yeah. And it just never occurred to me <laughs> until now just how much time I've wasted in my life. Oh, yeah. But absolutely. I think that that, it, that speaks to it because I look at those links for the Institute mm-hmm. on, is that girl really missing? Yeah, yeah, And there's a million of them. Mm-hmm. Or like, what is, yeah, the, what uh, is M-brain theory, yeah, with, right? Uh, the moment True Detective true finished, detective, yeah. I'm like, well, The minute okay. you said that to me, I was like, I've got to get my hands on this show. And right. I... And I ran through that. I bet I watched that entire series in about two days. Two days, right? Yeah. And then if you go and search the yeah. term M-brain theory, yeah. 
you, you, you and go down I a rabbit and, hole. Right. And 800 million other people <laughs> are also like, what <laughs> is that? And everybody, and then they talk about the new series and all that sort of right. stuff. You sort of get lost in this digital world. Mm-hmm. But lost also, was kind of that way. Yep. But I think JJ kind of bailed. Right. On that show. Right. And he didn't answer all the questions. But to a point yeah. about people going down that rabbit hole. Yeah. You see this giant door coming down and there's something on there and people are screen capturing that and putting it online and then theories exploding and here's yeah. what this means, this what this means. I mean, that's fun, right? Of course it's fun. I mean, that's the is point, that is right? that where our, our media then is going? I mean, that's what you're working on and those are things that you're that's, interested in? Is, is this more can, immersive yep, is, storytelling? Is complete immersion to get you off the couch, right? Like, so I, I, I'm there, I've lived in Chicago for a long time. This company that, uh, they were, a friend of mine is like, have you done a gig walk yet? Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. So I, I go, he goes, download it. You can mm-hmm. earn like five bucks going to the store. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? So I go, sure enough, these guys have figured out how to market. They call it a gig walk. Yeah. So Pepsi will send out a gig. They figured out that a human is worth five bucks to them. Wow. If they can get them engaged. So they'll post a gig and mm-hmm. they'll say, and they'll do it by, Dem- they, because when you sign up, the barrier to entry is, are you, oh, what yeah, what's ethnicity, yeah, what's yeah, your yeah, age, yeah. where do you live? So Pepsi wants to know how their product is doing in a certain demographic, ethnicity, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and income range. They'll send only the gigs out to those people. Wow. And it's like, if you go to your local convenience store, take a pip- picture of a Diet Pepsi, right. upload it to gig, they drop five bucks in your PayPal account. Wow. And I'm like... So if you put, now put that into the world of the Institute yeah. where people are getting off the couch and engaging, you have that data mm-hmm. that, and, and, and sort of, it's not predictive theory, but it's sort of like, it's close. Can, right. Can you decide, can you determine with that data pull mm-hmm. what people want to, to see yeah. and where they want the story to go? Yeah. I think you can. And that, but that is. It's almost like the new way – it's the new demographics is what it is, right? Yeah. And if you go back to the 1950s when they were like, the only people who want to see stuff are kids between <laughs> right? 12 and yep. 22 years old. Yep. And we got to make sure that everything is young and every show has to have a cute kid in it. And, da, da, right. da, 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 da. and it seemed to work for a long time and still is in play through most of traditional right. media. But, I mean, this is what you're talking about is new target marketing niche niche marketing, niche audience demographics to where yeah. you can create the content that so that my three-year-old, and here's why I think that this Play-Doh thing works so well. My three-year-old was like, Dad, come lay down with me. And he's ready for bed. He's just like, I want to watch this show. And I was like, okay, that's fine. You turn on your iPad and you watch the show. And he calls it up. He wants me to find it. And he can find things pretty good, but he wanted me to find this particular show. And he's talking to me about it. I'm like, okay, all right, whatever. It's dumb. But he starts watching it. And because it's totally real for him, yeah. because it's because they're not trying to sell something to him, yeah. the guy's like, hey, are you guys ready to look at this? And I'm just like, this is so dumb. And I hear him say, yes. <laughs> awesome. Right. And yeah. he's watched this thing five times. He yeah. knows what's coming. But he's still at the fifth or tenth or whatever time he's watching this is, Yes. You know, he's, yeah. he is responding and he's interacting in a way yeah. that is reaching out to an audience, as you said before, which is super real. Um, but it's not, I, I, you know, if I tried to do that exact same thing, it wouldn't have the same 
effect on him. Man, I, I and think, I think that's why yeah. it has the 22 million views. Yeah, that it's real. And, that and because, is, yeah. because their audience is not you and me. Yeah. The audience is not the parents. The audience is this, this three to eight-year-old who's wanting to sit down and watch this stuff. And and man, maybe and they is, may not have you know, realized that. Yeah, maybe it is ego, man. Because I watch that thing. I know, and I'm just pulling my this, hair out, and I'm like, "How is it that I, what the decision process for me mm-hmm. to say I'm just going to use my iPhone to yes. shoot my hands making play doh things yes. and put it up on the internet?" My initial reaction, if it was 2008, mm-hmm. would be what it was. For that other th- gig was, I'm just not going to tell anybody. Yeah, that you know what I mean. Like, yeah, how do you take that next step? Of yes, I'm mm-hmm. just going to put it out there and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the decide. You know, the 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 the, the shift is that that guy <laughs> said, "Man, I'm going to do but that." Should, but should we just say screw it and quality doesn't matter, or not? That's Man, the part. I, that's the problem. I, I don't. Have. I don't. That's, that's my ego. right, and that so I I'm with you on that one. I can't, you know, when I shot I shot that series for MTV on a super low low mm-hmm. budget. Mm-hmm. It was, um, you know, we we shot on a it was a professional Sony camera system, but it was you know was not you know big IMX red right, right, you right. know you know crimson now or whatever the new thing is dragon you know yeah. dragon like you know I'm, I didn't you know pull out some crazy lens package with the mm-hmm. DSLR rig. It was a run and gun, rip and roll, you know, Sony EX3. Yeah. A great camera, mm-hmm. but I refused to let it look like really shithouse video. Yes. So I painted the hell out of it in mm-hmm. the edit. Mm-hmm. And I spent way longer than, way more money than I should probably painting it. But now I look back at it now and it's, they're like, wow, you shot on film. Yeah. And I'm, so I'm not willing to sacrifice that. But that, but that brings you some. Some respect than when other people look at this. So. Oh man, this looks like a shot on film. He knows what he's doing, <laughs> right? But then, I, but then, I, then I go back to Plato, though, man. And maybe if it looked like shit house video and it was just sort of cobbled together, yeah, maybe it would have felt even more real to the audience. I don't than, know. I don't know, know because then people would be questioning its authenticity. But I tell you, if I got twenty-two million views of my show, yeah, I wouldn't be sitting here with you today. I would be, and our audience would be <laughs> the core for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Toby, I want to thank you for your time, man. Thanks, this has man. been this has been really great, yeah. and hopefully, you had a good experience. And I, I yeah. do want to talk because listeners, I mean, I don't know how many have already twittered or looked up uh, to see who Toby is and what what his background is, but he's got a big production background and has a long history. You've heard him mention his father working for Saturday Night Live, big history in production. And so he kind of comes in with some knowledge, and and I think I want to tap him some more, so we can talk about. I love these debates, man. I do. You do good. Yeah. And and I just have questions. It's all free form because it's things in my head that I I think I have answers for. But sometimes talking with somebody like you, or Doctor Walburn, um, clarifies it, codifies it, makes it makes it a lot more sense. So yeah. thank you for your time. Oh, you're welcome. All right, listeners, thank you so much. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Share this episode with a friend if you liked it, and use the comment section. Uh, to let us know what you think. If you want to hear, have uh, Toby back, I really want to tap into him talking about uh, uh, reality television to talk about uh, superhero movies and TV shows and a lot more. And we can do that in the future. Or if you just want to send me an email podcast at majorspoilers.com. And until next time, uh, what is it? We know that you love comics. We do too. We'll talk with you soon.
If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such a chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven race like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine bee In the Middle East With a king sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers is copyright 2014